Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ben, and in this episode of the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast, we're talking to a man who loves to smoke to detonation. Hey family, I hope you're well wherever you are and you got that thin blue smoke rolling. In today's episode, we're talking to Matt Logie from Smoke and Sappers Barbecue Team. They're a barbecue team that are made up of combat engineer veterans in the Australian Army and they've got a hell of a great story. Now before we do get into that, I've just got a couple of announcements I need to run by you first. First up, I want to give a big thank you to Jagged Woodfight for coming on board as our podcast partner for this episode. If you're out there and you're in the market for a new smoker, they've got um, they've got their smoker ovens, they've got their gravity-fed cabinets, they do uh, asado grills, they do custom work into custom kitchen builds, pretty much anything you can dream up. Glenn can design and build for you and all of their smokers are competition bred and proven. So Jules and Glenn, they're also a competition barbecue team. They've represented Australia at the Houston World's Barbecue Championships over in Texas and Jules and Glenn are also the current number one international brisket team of the year in the KCBS ladder. So do check them out. They've supported us. We support them. We love them. They love us. It's a beautiful thing. So check them out and I'm sure you'll be part of the Jagged family soon as well. Now, if you are just at the beginning of your barbecue journey, we do have our free ebook available for you over on the Smoking Hot Confessions website. It's smokinghotconfessions.com. The ebook is the beginner's guide to real barbecue. And in there, you're going to find everything you need to know to go from zero to hero in the world of low and slow barbecue. And it's completely free. Just head over to the website. A pop-up window will appear. Put your details in there and we'll shoot that straight out to your inbox. And a big welcome this afternoon to all of you who are joining us in the Smoking Hot Confessions barbecue community over on Facebook. All of these podcast episodes are recorded live in that group, and we've got a ton of people who are joining us already today, and they're going to be popping their questions and their comments in the comments under the the live video there for Matt. We're going to put those questions to Matt later in the episode. Now, if you're catching this later on on YouTube, do give us a thumbs up and subscribe and hit that little notification bell. On Facebook, it's all about the likes, the comments, and the shares. Over on IGTV, give us a like, a comment, and one of those cute little love hearts. We do love them. Make sure you follow us as well. And if you are listening later on on a podcast app, do give us a rating and review. Five stars really helps us out and helps drive us up the charts. Now, as I said before, we do have Matt joining us from Smoke and Sappers, a team of combat engineer veterans, and they've got a really interesting story. They've actually found a way to use barbecue, to use low and slow, to use competition barbecue to help veterans with PTSD. They do a hell of a lot of great work, and I'm really excited to have Matt joining us in the confessional here today. But I think that's probably about all you need out of me. Let's get Matt in here. This is the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast with your host, Ben Arnott. How long has it been since your last confession? Matt, welcome to the confessional, my friend. It's good to see you. Good to see you too, Ben. How you been? Mate, I'm great. I'm great. Now, I understand um, you are actually literally just down the road from me right now. Yes, <laughs> So, uh, you know, it's school holidays. We thought, uh, you know, we'll try and get away for the weekend. We had a, uh, we had a, a, a like, a accommodation booked up in the North Coast that got turned off at the last minute because of some booking issue. Uh, so we had to dive in and, and find somewhere else. Uh, and, yeah, we, we picked up a, a fantastic apartment looking straight out over the beach. Uh, so I thought I'd, you know, sit up down here and, We'll get it done. Hopefully, we've uh, we've got everything in the car. I've got a couple of kids that might be walking around behind us, but uh, I've told them all to be very quiet. 
<laughs> well, as long as you haven't left them in the car in the hot sun, you'll be fine. <laughs> Uh, the six they, they, they don't get left anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> they leave you somewhere <laughs> at, at, at that age. <laughs> All righty. So, man, tell me, what was the last thing that you barbecued? Well, actually, I barbecued some baby back ribs last night. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. So um, I recently, I, I've been pretty busy with work of late. Obviously, I'm still serving, so it's hard for me to pin down time. Um so I actually bought a, uh, a pellet grill uh, earlier in uh, late last year, and uh, it's it's changed the way that I that I do home barbecue and even competition barbecue. Actually, it's it's it, it is a different product, but it's still a delicious product. Um, but I yeah I, I had some pork, some baby back ribs, and I, I was going to cook for myself and my wife because it looked like nobody nobody was going to be at home. And Shazam out of nowhere, there was a bunch of teenagers showed up and uh, and needed to be fed as well. So it's just lucky that I've, I've figured out how to do that thing fast. Yeah, I'll bet. Yeah, yeah, and and just lucky that you are uh, that you don't buy them in in sets of two. You buy them in packs of six. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can't imagine trying to feed a horde of hungry teenagers. That would be uh, that would be quite the feat. It's yeah, it's exciting it's when they show up, you know, at seven o'clock on a Friday night, having like we all need to be fed before we go into the valley or whatever it is that they're going to do. Uh, these are my older teenagers that that will do that, and, and their friends, not the sixteen-year-olds. So, well, we'll figure it oh, out. Of course not. <laughs> not. None of us ever did that when we were younger, did we? No, 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 no. Fake ID. What? What's that? <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> so, my are, are pork ribs your favourite thing to barbecue? You know what? Yeah, they are. They absolutely are. Um, I, I've loved I've loved cooking pork ribs for a very long time, and uh, I started. You know, or actually, I started on gas barbecues with pork ribs because my parents, my my dad, would never buy them. He's like, no, they're for dogs. Um, I'm not. You know, <laughs> so um, yeah. So once I once I started to learn, and it was probably twenty, nearly twenty four years ago when I was living in Sydney. Uh, there was a little Italian restaurant down the road um, that that cooked them in their wood-fired pizza oven, and uh, that was pretty much my fall in love moment with pork ribs. Um, and, yeah. And yeah, so now it's everybody gets sick of them. I, I'll cook them in different ways and try different recipes with them. And um, yeah, uh, I've used Adam's book a few times to figure out how all the different things that he does with it. <laughs> but it's good. Like it's been they they're just so versatile and. They're relatively easy to cook. They're pretty fast to cook in the in the in the scheme of things, um, and you know they're just they're sweet, they're delicious, and if you get them done right, they're just there's nothing beats. Yeah, so good, man, definitely. So at that point, twenty four years ago, when you had the ribs done in the wood fired smoker oven, was that when you saw the light and switched from gas to live fire? Uh, no, not really. So I'd, my my old man, he'd had a Weber kettle for as long as I could remember, um, and it was. There was nothing better than even a pork roast cooking there. But all he ever did was put two big piles of burning hot charcoal on either side, and then so it'd cook at 400 degrees, whatever. And the, the chicken would be done in 47 minutes. Um, the pork roast would be done in an hour and a half with excellent crackle and that nice smoke flavour. But it was always the like the heat beads briquettes, and I don't want to get into the whole taint conversation. It was. <laughs> But it, he loved doing it that way, um, and then we sort of uh, that's, that's and I suppose that's where I picked up with that with that barbecue side of it, the low and slow side of it, um, and, and cooking with fire. Yeah, that, that was where that sort of grew, where I grew up. Big family dinners, 
sitting around with, with probably enough meat to feed 10 or 12 people, but feeding the six or eight of us. And it was, <laughs> um, it, that, yeah, that's where my love affair really started. Um, then if I go back a little bit further, my, my grandfather with the ubiquitous country town brick barbecue with the hot plate, and you'd go around all, uh, all morning collecting the sticks with him, and then he'd sit down the back and, and of all things drink, and you'd like, get, get stuck into whatever he was drinking, and he'd light his fire and it would burn so hot. Uh, <laughs> and, and then you'd get the, the charcoal sausages or, the, or, the, or, the, or the, the burn on the outside lamb chop with the roar in the middle. <laughs> Yeah, if it, I, I, I remember that well. If it wasn't black on the outside, then it just wasn't done right, and it needed to go back on. Yeah, we had one of those, uh, one of those old brick ones as well when I was like a young guy. But I, I remember it as being an incinerator first, and then yeah. once all the, once all the garbage had burned off, then we'd uh, put the hot plate on, and and then we'd cook on it. So, uh, yeah, we used to eat like trash barbecue, literally. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, that was it. Was I mean they were fun days, the, the big family barbecues, big family gatherings, especially for my grandfather's birthday. Everybody would all drive out to uh, Mandubra where he lived, which is sort of in about four or five hours, sort of north of Brisbane, not northwest of Brisbane. Um, yeah, and there'd be there'd be the, the whole extended families would be there. There'd be sixty, seventy people there, and just and that's just your cousins and and your aunts and uncles because the families were big in those country towns. Um, and you know, you'd see, you'd have women cousins that from my age all the way up to sort of 30 years old, because those my aunts and uncles were so that their age limits were spread and they were massive families as well. And it was great. It was a great activity, Like you could, it was pretty much a whole little town just in this massive backyard that you had with a giant Queenslander on it in the middle of a little country town. It, it was fantastic. It was, yeah, it just run amok. Back in the days of large blocks of land where you could actually like have have like a mini farm out in the backyard and then still have a nice grassed area to play and an undercover area and the house and the double garage. Yeah, and that Love was it. it. I miss that. I miss that stuff. Yeah. So um, tell us then, whenabouts did you start to move into competition barbecue and how did you get introduced to that? Um, so competition barbecue was, it was, it was 2016 for us, so 2015, 2016 that we started. So we'd, um, I had a group, there was, a, was three of us that were, that were into it, myself, Adam and, and Dale. Um, and we were, well, we all had kettles and we were cooking, um, you know, ribs and, and pork butts. And I'd like, I hadn't cooked a brisket in, like ever. The, the first brisket I ever cooked was on a kettle and, Surprisingly enough, it actually turned out pretty well considering I'd used house bricks as separators and reflectors. <laughs> and, so, that, yeah, and, and I'll get into that a bit later on, like how, how, we're gonna, like how you can save money doing this. But it's um, – <laughs> it was a – where did we go? We went to, we went to like a, one of the barbecue uh, teams were running like a day to raise money, so they were selling barbecue. Um, and, and I don't even remember which team it was, but we went along – and we ate it. We looked at each other and we're like, you know what? We can do this. Like this is like we 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 can do this. <laughs> um, and I think Adam jumped on. He found and, and it was a Brisbane Barbecue Festival was one of the first ones. It was uh it was in the uh, RNA Showgrounds at the um oh, what are they side sideshow alley where they do the show bags and stuff. And it, like we didn't know any better. We didn't know what we were doing realistically, uh, other than we had to go out and buy all this stuff. So I think we showed up. I had. Um, we had a, two kettles, 
So a full-size kettle and, and one of the, the smaller kettles. Um, we had a, uh, a Smoky Mountain and I think that was it. That's all. <laughs> and we had, um, we had an old marquee that at work, Dale and I had dragged it out of the, the skip bin at work because the wind had smashed it at an open day. And we'd spent, we'd spent the weekend before like at Bunnings with new nuts and bolts and trying to figure out how we put the, put this thing back together. And we did, we managed to put it back together. Um, we had uh, a couple of folding tables that I think we'd got at like, one of the hardware shops. We just, you know, that was on special for 10 or $12 back then. Um, and a couple of eskies and, and that was, that was pretty much us. So we were it, like, we spent that night in the dark because we, we we hadn't thought about lights, we hadn't thought about <laughs> um, in the dark trying to figure out how we get it all there, and we had sort of a pit for each sort of thing, but we're sharing that the, uh, the chicken and the pork ribs were in the in the same sort of thing, and I had a brisket cooking in a kettle, and and I think that was the second time I'd ever cooked a brisket was was my first competition. Wow, um, that's bold. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well. You know, and we thought, and this is pretty much the way that, that we'll work it. We'll have a look at something and we'll be like, you know what, let's just give it a go. We'll, we'll figure it out as we go. We'll dive into it. We'll do the best we can with what we've got. We'll learn the lessons that we need to learn and we'll come away and we'll come back and we'll, we'll give it another hot crack, red hot crack the next time. And, and, and that was it. Like, it was, a, it was a bit of a shock, that first comp, like how much the meat cost was oh. like, and how much, yeah, uh, on, on top of the competition fees and, and all the other things that we had there. And uh, and then the, you know the you drink, <laughs> um, but it's it's not a um, it's not a thing. So you, you it, it's how do I explain it? It was everybody. How are we going to do this? Let's sit down. We'll have a meeting about it. We'll all talk about it, uh, and we'll come up with a way of, of how we're going to achieve it. So and, and it was you know all of us being in soldiers and non-commissioned officers in the army. We sort of sat down and we came up with a plan and everybody got their task to do uh, and everybody went away and we, we did it. We pulled together and we, we showed up on the on the day and we, we set it up and we had a good plan. Um, we didn't do too bad. I think we came, I think there was maybe 40 teams there that, that, that year and I think we came sort of 20, 21st or 22nd overall. And, nice. And that, that, that's it, that second brisket that I'd ever cooked, I think we came 14th. Like it was, I, I was, I was pretty happy with it. Um, and everybody was, we're all, we're all a bit shocked, <laughs> but there are a few other teams there that were there for their first times as well. And, and I think the, the key behind it, really enjoying what that is, is, is not getting too wound up about it. Yeah. It might cost you a lot of money to go and do it, but, but in the end, it's just barbecue and you're there with a, with a bunch of like your best mates amongst a bunch of really awesome people. Um, and, and I'll tell you, and I've, and I've said this before, and I'm pretty sure I've said it to you before, Ben, as well, is that. Barbecue people are as close to sort of army people as you're going to get or defense people because, yeah, we're all competitive, but we're all willing to help each other out uh, as a general rule. Well, most of us are anyway. Um, there's, always, there's always the ones off to the side that you don't, that you don't talk about, but it's, they're just great people. And, you know, you, you, I'm really happy to spend my spare time with those people and, and sort of do that. And, that was part of, I suppose, what, what we were talking about it before as well. Is like how, why I was comfortable to then bring guys that might have been struggling with, um, with some post-traumatic stress or you know, with anxiety or the rest of it, because 
those people are just, they're, they're almost the same as the people that they've just gone through all those experiences with and that they're very comfortable yeah, no doubt about that at all. That uh, that desire to, to 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 help each other out is just phenomenal, and that's what the barbecue scene's famous for. Like, and I've and and I've said this before as well that like you don't go to a tennis match and watch uh, one of the tennis players break their racket and their opponent hands them theirs, but you do in in barbecue. So, you know, someone's got a you know a, a a pellet grill and the computer dies, and someone's like, "Well, look, I got a spare drum over here. You can have that," or you like. You just don't see that in, in, in other sports, but you do in barbecue, and it's a really beautiful thing. Now, I, I do have a quick question about that brisket uh, from the 2016 Brisbane Barbecue Festival. Mm-hmm. Was that the one where uh, the famous Mitch Morse came and taught you how to, how to break it yeah. down and, 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 and trim it up in the, in the middle yeah. of the night? Yes, it was, because he came and he watched it, and he, he, he'd had a few. Um, and we, he's like, I'll show you how to do this. And he got stuck into it, and he showed us how to carve it up. And, and again, that was, I, I love Mitch and I love those boys. They were, they were like, they were our sort of, we, we looked up to them. We, we'd gone and done a, um, before that comp, we'd gone and done a uh, masterclass with them as well. Um, and so, yeah, they, I was, when he, when he showed up and he's like, I'll show you how to do this and I'll get out of the way and he's carving it all. Well, like that was just, it, it blew my mind to, to have that. You know, these guys were, they were winning everything. They, they'd win. They, they always won. And it's to just have him roll in and be like, man, I'll show you how to do this. And, and it, it was just great. I've never, again, that's not a, you don't normally see that in a competitive sport or in a competitive activity is, is that willingness to just come in and show people, hey, this is how I do it. Um, and, and I watch, you know, I watch the documentaries and, I, and I, uh, I've spoken to some pit masters at the times that I've been to the US and they're quite happy to tell you everything. And they'll tell you everything because like, they don't care because they know like, they've been doing it for that long. They understand their pits. They understand the meat. They understand everything about it. But they, like, they'll tell you exactly what it is that they do, knowing that I'm not going to be able to do the same thing. If you're looking for your next barbecue smoker or grill, Jagged Woodfire has got what you need. Owners Julianne and Glenn are multiple award-winning barbecue competitors who have even travelled to the US to compete at the World Barbecue Championships in Houston, Texas. Based out of Perth and shipping nationwide, Jagged is one of the largest pit builders in the country and has an ever-growing lineup of meat cooking machinery. Not only do they have their now-famous smoker ovens, their incredibly efficient gravity-fed cabinets are proving extremely popular in commercial settings, and they also make some of the most stylish asado grills you're ever going to see. Jagged is also well known for amazingly detailed custom work ranging from backyard designs all the way to installations in commercial kitchens. Proudly Australian designed, owned and manufactured, you can find out more at jaggedwoodfire.com.au, spelled J-A-G-R-D. Once again, head to jaggedwoodfire.com.au, spelled J-A-G-R-D, to learn more. Got a project you'd like to work on with the SHC team? Shoot Ben an email on ben at smokinghotconfessions.com and let's have a conversation. Alrighty, now we did start to, uh, to to touch on this before just a little bit. We started to talk about your your work with uh, veterans with PTSD. So I, I just want to sort of unpack that a little bit before we get into it. And I was just wondering, for, for people who are not familiar, could you sort of give us an idea of what uh, PTSD is and what life is like for veterans with PTSD. 
Um, okay, so PTSD, it's a, it's a response and it's, it's an illness as well that once you've gone through either individual or repeated and you may not even have gone through it, you may, have, you may know somebody else that has gone through it. It's whatever trauma has impacted you to then create that fight or, uh, fight or flight um, or freeze uh, response inside your own mind. Um, that's, I suppose that's what it does. And, and it builds anxiety. And then because of that, because of the anxiety that you have, and it could be from crowds and for most of us, um, and I'll say most, most people that have had operational warlike experience will have some form of that. Um, and it, it like to varying degrees and it, to varying ways of how we manage it and how, how we get through it, and how we push on to the next stage. Sometimes it can be really debilitating to the point where uh, the flashbacks are that, that vivid that you actually have to be medicated to the point where, you know, you're not going to wake up and end up doing something terrible to the person next to you or doing something terrible like down the, down the way without you even knowing it. You, you can, your mind can transform, take you back, transport you back to that moment that was so bad. And it's, it's a vivid hallucination. Um, so, it, you know, for different people, it's different things that will happen. It could be a car, car accident. It could be, um, you know, being blown up. It, it could be being in a, in a, in a, like a hectic gunfight. Like all those sorts of things where it creates that, that chemical release in your brain that, that is immediately makes you hyper alert and it is, yeah, that hyper alertness is there um, and your yeah, inability to maybe sometimes deal with some of those pressures that have come down or might be happening or whatever triggers have come along and triggered those responses in the, in the chemical releases in your brain and how it manages that way. Um, anxiety then builds because you're constantly anxious about, you know, when is this going to happen again? Am I not going to be able to do anything? Am I, am I not going to be able to move on with my life? Um, and then that leads to depression. Like, you know, like if you're constantly scared about what's, what are you going to do and how are you going to manage it? So people end up becoming really insular as well. And they'll, they'll, they'll hide from people. They'll hide from, they'll stop doing what they normally do. Um, they'll, they'll avoid group situations. And I've been through all of this in my past. Like it's, it, it, it is an easy thing to do, like being afraid of a, a broken uh, gutter on the side of the road when you're driving, driving to work. You, I mean, you know, I live in Australia, that broken gutter is not going to explode and kill me. But you see, your brain is still looking at it saying, hey, what is that, what is that, what is that? And you become really alert and you start to avoid things. And, you, you might, and it can lead to other, other, other issues of veering off to the side of the road. You know, anything that, that happens that you need to be really careful. Um, the depression and the anxiety and depression that comes with that then drives you further away from people. It drives you, you become more insular and you just withdraw from, um, any kind of community engagements. Like it, it becomes really very hard to do anything. Um, and because again, you're scared, a lot of the time you're, you're anxious and you're scared about what is going to trigger me. Am I going to make a fool of myself in public? Am I going to, you know, when a car backfires, I'm going to dive under under a uh, you know into the car, or you know, if a kid starts screaming in a shopping centre, am I going to lose my mind, or what, what what is what is going to happen here? Um, and that becomes a real problem until you start to understand. And, and it takes it takes a fair bit of therapy, and it takes a, often it can take a fair bit of medication and moving through life to, to sort of figure your, your own lessons out. It takes a lot of introspection on yourself to to figure out what your own triggers are and how to manage that, and then getting to know yourself. Um, is one of the key points behind it as well. Understanding your heart rate, understanding your responses, knowing that 
very it's almost like a like a support dog. You'll see the sometimes you'll see those support dogs, and that that dog knows you're going to have an anxiety attack before you. So a lot of the cases I've got mates that have got those as well, and that dog will come and sit on his lap, sort of help him calm down, understand, because that it brings him back to the moment, and it's being back in that moment that will help you come back to reality and, and sort of help you move back into the normal spaces. Um, yeah, so it, PTSD as a whole, like it's a pretty debilitating sort of thing, but it's not in uh, like it's not a life killer. Like it's not going to ruin your life as long as you you take that on board, you understand. How, how you're going to move forward with it, you understand how to, how to combat that, your own personal triggers and your own personal stories. I mean, they're your own, and there's no not saying get rid of them. It's they're all, they're all part of what's built you as a person into what you are now. And I think um, a lot of the time people look at PTSD and be like, well, no, you know, if he's got PTSD, let's, let's, let's put him over here in this bucket or in this, in this cupboard or let's keep him out of the way in case some or her out of the way in case something terrible happens and that's that's not the way that i think is the best way it's not the way that was the best for me and in my experience it's not the way that it's been the best for a lot of my uh a lot of my my soldiers and, and my friends and peers that are going through that have gone through it as well um and and how to get back into the the broader community and and find your place and understand where it is that you sit in that community and how to engage and interact with people again yeah, right. So the, yeah, that's um that's a really uh deep insight there into into PTSD and the the impact that it can have on people's lives and it sounds like it almost becomes almost like a like a self-feeding specter in the in the people's lives. Um if that makes sense. Like it's sort of you you're anxious about having an episode and then that sort of feeds the PTSD itself. And then it sort of, it just sort of keeps growing and growing from there. So you, you mentioned therapy dogs there before, what are the current treatments available for, for veterans with PTSD? Look, um, veteran affairs and, and like, depending on where you're sitting. So if you're still a serving member, um, the ADF looks after you really, really well, like it really does. So we, we will identify, well, I won't say the ADF, the ADF is set up to re look after you really, really well. Like you're, the commanders have to understand how that's working and then they'll, you know, all the stuff is there as long as you're wanting to help yourself. And that's the key with treatment to PTSD and, and anxiety and depression as well. You have to want to be helped. You have to want to help yourself because it's, um, it's like for me, there's plenty of things out there. So open arms, if you're, if you're is a, look, the old veteran, uh, Vietnam veterans and family counseling services is now open arms. Um, soldier on there's uh, the 42 for 42 which I'm, I'm a massive part of here in southeast Queensland um, that not necessarily will provide but will help guide you to where you need to be and, and help putting on there. mates for mates is another great one it's like it's there's plenty of tools out there for, for people to if they're not serving anymore to go and, and go and like seek some help um, and things like uh, exercise is, is, is really important um, and so there's gyms and, and exercise physiologists that'll be there as, as long with the, with the counseling services that are in place. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it is amazing. So I'm, as I said, I'm still a serving member and like I've gone through this diagnosis myself in the past. Uh, it took, it took me several years, but defense was really careful in how they rebuilt me and, and put me back into the, back into the space where they were comfortable and I was comfortable to get back in and get my job and get my hat back on and move, move forward. 
and not everybody gets that, and I understand that. But lots of us are starting; they're starting to understand how to do it and move forward. Um, but the counselling services that are out there are just fantastic, and they'll direct it. They'll say, "Look, if if you need to go and see someone else, they say, look, I think you might need to go and see like a, a clinician,' and, and we'll do it that way." There are other um, there are other systems in place um, out there as well like that are self help type organisations. Survive to Thrive Nation was, for example, one that a friend of mine raised and started, and it um, it was probably the most effective tool that I had because it put it all back with me to understand where I was sitting. If I needed help to talk to somebody, they had somebody there to talk to, there were mentors in that program. It was fantastic and it helped draw me back into the world uh, and, and allowed me to get back in amongst things that I love, uh, things like barbecue, competition barbecue, which, you know, and, and understanding my own triggers and understanding the things that were healthy for me, things that were unhealthy for me. Yeah, I'm. I'm so happy to hear you say that. There's um that there's a lot of support out there for for veterans. Uh, I I think we hear a lot in the media that um that there's not a lot out there. So I, I'm 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 really happy to hear that that uh that, that 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 support was there for you and for and for other veterans as well. Can you t- tell us a little bit about um about what Smoke and Sappers does for for veterans with PTSD? Because I know that you like to involve your competition team in in helping people uh that way. So can you tell us a bit about that. Okay, so we um, uh, so forty two forty two is like I said, as I said before, it's a it's an Afghanistan war memorial um, and sort of fundraising non profit organisation, and we started with them cooking for their uh, stadium stomps that they do at at, um, at like the old Lang Park, the big stadiums in uh, what is it, Suncorp stadiums, and they do their their fundraisers for this for this garden that we built that, that you know we. Um, it's got all the plaques of all the all the 41 members that died that, that were killed in action or died of wounds in Afghanistan over our over our commitment there. Uh, plus, then the 42nd is for those that have come home and, and have lost their battle at home with whether it be PTSD or depression or the other things or diseases or whatever has come after us. Um, so we we started with that. We we go along and we cook all this food and and, and raise money. We, we were giving it away to begin with, and people were like, no, take money. So so they. I, I was I wasn't I wasn't really sure about how we do that. I didn't have a food license. I didn't know what was going on. Like we were just there to help mates and and sort of try to raise some awareness. And and he said, no no no, look, we we'll do it this way. And like we came up with a plan of how we manage that. Um, and we started raising money for them at these at these events. Uh, and while I was there, I, I had a lot of guys would come up to us that would normally not approach anybody else. So you could tell that they uh, were struggling. They're like, how do you, how do you do this? Like, I'd love to try and come along and like, I'd love to sit in the tent and I'd just bring them into the tent and we'd have a chat. They didn't have to be common engineers. Like, there's a big, it's a, it's a big defence force with all different people, and I'd have navy people and air force people, and um, you know, in the army, there's there's this massive, there's there's a pretty big rivalry between different corps, especially combat corps or not combat corps, and the rest of it. And it's um, you'd have these guys, and I'd bring them in, and we'd sit down and. And to tell you the truth, the, the best way and the, the best way to get through to these guys is they'd sit down and give them a, give them a coffee or give them a drink or whatever, and we talk. We sort of start to get to know them. Then, then, and this is the way it works: you just start to hang on them, like hang, just, <laughs> just start teasing each other, and that's that's the way it is. And, and that that creates some back and forth, some banter, and they'd start to relax because that's 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 the reality: is that that banter is constantly there because you're always competing with everybody around you. Um, but they were, they were happy with that. And I thought, well, this could be a really good way to start bringing the competitions in, and bringing them in with us. 
because then they're a part of it. So I, I started talking to some uh, different organisations where it would be mates, mates for mates, um, my own units that, that I belong to, and um, so I said, we to three others, another one. And so, hey, do you want to come along and just sit in our tent? It's a safe space. Like you, you're there, you're just surrounded by, you know, myself. I mean, I'm a pretty big guy. You know, Ben Barton, who is, you know, he's, he's a monster of man. He's a giant, like, that man, yeah. <laughs> and we'd be, you know, I said, come in, sit, sit with us. Just like we're there. It's a safe space. We're there. We'll look after you. It's all good. And we'll have a bit of talk. And, and it was amazing to watch them. So most of the time the guys would come in and they're, they're a bit nervous and, you know, they'd come in and bump in and they'd sort of help they get because it's industrious time, yeah? Bump in, everybody's working. And when they're working, they're not, they're not overly thinking stuff. I'd, like, like I do, I stand and bark orders at everybody and they get stuff done. And it's, <laughs> it's uh, and, and everybody would, and they, they'd do it. And then it's the sit-down time and the wait. And it's the wait that starts to, that can start to get, that can weigh on you a little bit as you're starting to see more people get in. And sometimes those tents can be pretty close in and, and like cracked in amongst each other. Um, and it, I'd sort of say, hey, is everything okay? How you doing? Let's, let's, grab a, let's go for a walk. Uh, so normally I'll take them out for a walk. And, and they get out of the open air again and I can sort of see and they calm down. They understand their own triggers. And, but having them in there and then explaining to them, this is a competition. Yeah, we're not, we're not here. It's not, just, it's not just the barbecue in the backyard where we all get on it. It's... it's it's we, we are competing against all these people and these people are really good at what they do. Uh, and and once, you, once you let them know, look, hey, this is a proper, this is a real competition, they, they get really involved and they're like, oh, okay. Uh, okay, what do you need me to do? Like, how do I do this? And it's like layout, this is, and I'll, <laughs> excuse me, I'll take them through the whole, the whole process of this is how we do it. Like this is, this is what we're going through and I'll get them involved, like get it out. Like I'll let them, like bring it out, get the box, and and what is I suppose Burbs is a big one for like yeah we've got parsley biatches like it's like no <laughs> no sorry Burbs it's still you <laughs> <laughs> and like so they'll come and they might do that stuff for us but then they they're also keen on it and their attention to details are made so and then I'll bring them up but I'll let them I'll I'll, I'll put them in charge of a pit I'll I'll let them do the whole thing like I'll oh, give wow. them that responsibility to say, hey, man, like, this, is, this is you. I need you to do this. If you have questions, ask me. And, and the, way that we, the way that we're trained is if I don't know something, I will ask. And most, most defence force people will because they don't want to stuff it up. You know, you might, stuffing stuff up it can cost lives, money, and lots of resources that are really hard to replace. So they'll say, hey, look, I'm at this point. What do I do? How do I deal with this? And I'll like, okay. And then the other good joy of, of, the, of us so in the team, whether it be Burbs and myself or Dale or even Burbs, um, but uh, any of us, we've all been instructors before as well. We understand how to take that step easy, like this, do that. And and they're, oh, okay, sweet. And then they're comfortable with that. And they, they sit, they get comfortable. They, there's people in the tents around them that they can talk to and they can have a bit of fun. And they, you know, they really get involved in it. And I watch them relax into that space. And and then at the end of it, every time, every single time they've come up and said, Matt, that was the best thing I've done in such a long time. When can I do it again? Yeah, that's that's absolutely amazing, man. I I've had some uh, some like it doesn't even compare, but some some minor ang- anxiety issues myself. And some of the the things for me was oh I I can't do that because this might happen. I can't do that because this might happen. 
And from what you're saying, it sounds to me like one of the things you're doing is you're building self-efficacy. You're, you're restoring their belief in themselves, in their ability to be able to achieve things and complete things. And self-efficacy is one of the most important things for, for human development. So that, that sounds like to me like you found a way to sort of, to bring that out in, in people who might otherwise be stuck in that loop that we were talking about before. That's, that's incredible. That's amazing. No, it is. And it's, yeah, it's. I, I loved them on it. It was. It was a big part of it for myself. Um, Dale and Adam and Burbs. They, they helped me through a, a really terrible time as well. Um, and they, they did it for me. We, we try to do it for each other. We've all done it for each other in some ways or the other. We all understand each other's triggers. We all understand when people are, might be might be starting to stress out and how to how to help them with it. And, and it's good. Like it is a real. People say like it's a barbecue team for us. It really is a team. Like we all rely on each other the same way a team does. Um, people will say, "Well, Burbs will always be like, oh, Matt, you're the team captain." I'm like you've got it, but we don't really have a team captain. Everybody's in. Everybody's there. Everybody's doing. Everybody knows what they need to do. We work as a team. We get it done. And everybody and and we bring in these people and these guys and girls and, and be like, "Hey, you're part of the team. Let's let's do it. Don't let the team down. Let's keep going." Yeah, that's that's got to be great for them as well, man. So good. Now you've you've been talking about the team and all that sort of stuff, and I'm I'm going to take us maybe just a little bit off off track here. Um, which of the team did you bring with you to the royal, <laughs> or or did you just say no, see you later, guys? We're going by myself. No, no, I took my wife would never have never have forgiven me if I'd taken one of the boys to the royal and not her. <laughs> Um, not, not necessarily because of the Royal, but because like she tacked on some time in San Francisco and other places afterwards that, yeah. So, but yeah, look, man, I'd, I'd be single if I'd taken one of those boys. Like it's. Yeah, so fair enough. They're all very jealous. Dale, Dale was pushing pretty hard to come at, uh, Kelly, Kelly shut him down pretty, pretty quick. I'd imagine so. Yeah. Yeah. So give us an idea of, of what led to that trip. How did you end up at the Royal? So um, there was a, oh, was it uh, ABA and um, barbecue, Barbecue's Galore, Triple M, had, had done this. Um, they'd, they'd put a flyer out saying, hey, look, post your photos of barbecue, win a, come, win a, win a chance to go to the American Royal at Burley in 2016. And, and I was like, oh, okay. So um, – I just started putting entries in because back then I like I had my kettle, kettle's all I had. And I sorry, and I had like a what are they called? Those um, you know the really little thin barbecues galore offset one for the, those te- Texas Pro. Uh, yeah. Or do you mean the ones that are about the same thickness as a coke can? Like yeah, the coke can one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I was taking millions of photos and putting them on Facebook, and and that was one of the worst parts of my life, to tell you the truth. And like I was really struggling at those points. So this was barbecue, and and, and this was was great for it. And I was punching these these photos out on Facebook, and I applying through through the through their Facebook pages. And uh, so I, I didn't understand how the process worked, other than you know you, you apply. So I got a phone call from uh, a Triple M uh, marketing person, and she's like. So it's apparent to us that you like your family completely dropped out of the picture when you discovered how to bust. 
so, so all I'd had for like a year and a half was on my on my social media was was just barbecue. Um, so they're like, okay, so you you have won the Queensland spot to come to come to Burley and like and and enter the cook off. So I said, like, oh, okay, sweet. That sounds you know that sounds great. So we all came. We came in. There were people from all over the country. So one from each state sort of came in. Uh, and we all stayed in a hotel down here. And then in the morning we rolled in. Nobody knew what we were cooking on. Nobody knew, even knew what we had to cook. Um, but I'd been talking to Chris Davey. Chris Davey had been allocated as my as my mentor. And he, he's like, Rano, bang, 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 do this. Like, bring bring a spritzer, bring, bring, you know, bring some stuff. And I said, okay, sweet. Okay, I'll do all these things. I've never done this before. I don't know what I'm cooking on. What, what do I do? He said, "Don't worry about it. Just just show up, and and we'll figure it out." He said, "But make sure you got a spritzer. Make sure you've got um, like a probe, and so you know where, where your temperatures are at. And you can we can sort this out." I said, "Okay, all right, oh, no worries." I showed up, and it's it's um it's like a Kamado. Never used a Kamado in my life before. Didn't know anything about it. Chris, the first thing Chris said to me is, "said Don't let it get too hot because you'll never let it get there." Uh, and um, Adam was there. <laughs> he was wandering around. Um, oh God. And the, we started cooking, they like laid out baby back ribs, a lamb rack and chicken thighs. I think it was, was it the three? That was it. Yeah. Baby back ribs, lamb rack and chicken thighs. There was no beef because there was no time because it all had to be cut into the, the one day there at, at, at the old, uh, Burley barbecue festival. So it, it was, it was amazing. So I'd, Chris is helping me and I'm spritzing and I'm spraying and like one of the judges come over and they're like, are you allowed a spritzer? Because it wasn't part of the, the pile of stuff that they had there for us. And I said, look, I don't know. Um, they, they didn't say I wouldn't have it. Um, but and then I came over and said, no, no, it'll, it'll be fine with the, with the, with the, the other sponsors that are about this floor. And I, no, no, if he's bought it, then that's fine. Like it's no, anybody else can go send, send somebody over the road and get one. Next minute, there's people running over the road to the shops to buy, and then coming back. <laughs> um, it was <laughs> the support crew. It's amazing. So I've gone through and cooked this. Uh, my lamb was great. My chicken was great. Uh, my pork ribs, like I don't know what happened, but they they cooked really well, but they didn't get very much colour on them. And I think I might have overcrowded that um, that that uh, Kamado thing again, not knowing how to use it trying to maintain, trying not to let it get too hot. And I was, there was this nerve wracking period where we all sit around at Merrick Watts and uh, Adam and Chris and uh, there, was, there was another one I'm trying to remember who that was. But I don't remember. But yeah, they, they, they were the judges and they've judged us all and we've sort of sat there. And in the end it was, I, I, I didn't win by very much. Like I won by maybe one point and, uh, and wow. yeah, it, it was, it was nerve wracking. Merrick Watts has called me out. Merrick's not a really big guy, but I bounded up on that stage, picked him up and threw him around in the bear hug like a rag doll. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like, and then the kids, I, I do still have the photo of the kids holding up the big plane ticket. Uh, you know, guys, you're, you're off to the Royals. Not you kids, you're staying with Grandma and Granddad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice, man, nice. And so s stories of, of success like that must sort of really mean a lot to the, to the people that you're working with. So do you find that they then sort of, they listen to your stories, they, they come and work with your team and then they find their own successes after that? 
Yeah, and they do, and and it's like, and I, every one of them has become like a barbecue addict uh, after doing it. Um, and they've also, every one of them's also found their way to what what their passion is in life, um, which has been a real, like it's been a real eye opener for me, and it's it's extremely humbling for me that at some point I've helped these these people get on a path that is that has found them, like that they, they found what they want to do, and. It, that may not be in in like in their jobs anymore, and that can be a hard thing to go from being a like a, a member of the defence force to then being somebody like what do I do now? Because it it absorbs your whole life, like it becomes a big part of your life, and you need to learn to adjust that. So you may not be able to continue it down the path, but you know I've I've gone out and I've found my passion in uh, it might be boiler making again and making barbecue pits, or or it might be um, some sort of artistic outlet that like photography or because, again, it's guys like, well, I don't know how to take a photo. And anybody that's seen my Instagram page knows that I don't know how to take a photo. <laughs> so it's <laughs> but these guys do. And, and like I, and they, they might come in and help me with that. Or they'll, they'll go out or they'll be like, oh, look, this is it. And it might wake up a passion in them that then drives them out and, and lets them do what they want to do. And like it is. It's, it's one of the best parts of, of this for me. And, and it's why... Um, like this last sort of 18 months has been so hard with the lack of competitions and it's because I haven't been able to grab these guys and there's a, and there's a lot of people that are suffering, uh, especially in the southern states. Like we're pretty we're pretty good up here, but like th- those guys are stuck at home. They can't do anything. They can't interact. And, and it's uh, it, these platforms actually like uh, my, my Instagrams and, and like a lot of people say, look, Matt, you haven't put much on here. I said, no, I haven't because... Most of my time now is built with me just doing live chats with people or uh, sort of helping out with stuff, and it's 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 taken over that space. Um, or I've been stuck doing, you know, the stuff that we have to do from an ADF perspective to support this uh, thing at the moment, or you know, but whatever it is that we're doing, trying trying to stay on top of our normal everyday work as well. You're listening to the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions podcast with massive barbecue nerd, Ben Arnott. Okie dokie, Matt. Now we're into our third segment of the show, and this is the part of the show where our guests get to share a lesson, give some advice, give some... uh give some words of wisdom to our to our viewers and our and our listeners and something that you want to talk about today was budget busting tips to help people get into competition barbecue so i'm really keen to uh, to hear all about this cuz i started in competition barbecue from a very budget busting point of view as well so i'm i, I got a feeling our stories are going to maybe merge a little bit here but uh it's all yours okay um so you don't the biggest point from my perspective, and like we spoke about like our first competition the other day, we, we had we had a, like a, a recovered bin marketing. Um, like find marketplace, things like those marketplaces, online marketplaces where you can find stuff for cheap. You don't have to go all out, flash, bang. Like it's not a thing. Um, it's taken us years to build up the stuff that we've had, the, the stuff that we've got now, because we just, we get it one bit at a time or, you know, we might, we might have done something. We might have we might have won some prizes. We might have won some prize money. Then that goes into that. Um, but don't be afraid to like. There's nothing wrong with a roadside kettle and learning how to use it and having half a dozen of them. Like I've seen um, like Charlotte's Weber. Let's look at Charlotte's Weber for example. A fantastic local team down here that has all roadside webbers on a trailer, <laughs> and it's it's it doesn't cost them much. And but do whatever you can yourself. It's you, you don't have to be a big flash team and roll in there. Roll in there with what you've got, 
have fun, enjoy yourself, learn whatever you can, um, and just take in there what you can afford. Like, like I said, that first competition with a meat, oh, I blew my mind how much that competition costs. Uh, <laughs> and that was five um, years ago. So the, the yeah. meat costs now are even, even higher. Yeah. So be proactive in, in hunting down local sponsorship deals is the, is the next key. Um, like for a starting out team, find a local butcher, um, mention them, like do, do whatever, go and talk to them. Say, hey, look, can we come up with a deal? And it, and it might be you get the meat for cost when you go into competition. It might be that you get the meat with a, a 20% discount or whatever it is for, for your, your practice stuff. And, uh, it's, and that's the way that we've, that, that's how we worked out our first deals with, with our sponsors. And it's like, hey, this is it. Uh, this is what we want to do. And they're like, yeah, sure, man. Like, go, go to town. And then, and because you're using small businesses as well, so come along to the comp, sit in a tent with us uh, and, and have a bit of fun. See what we're doing with, with what you're doing for us. Um, and because they have that bigger, that bigger bulk buying power as well, like it's, it, it ends up being a lot cheaper for you to, to get it that way. And you just punch, you know, punch it in your socials, have signs up, do whatever you need to do, talk to people about it. I think the, um, was the last Brisbane one that, that we were at when I, I came out and cooked pork ribs out the front for the, with you as, uh, as well. And that was, that was another good way to do it. And then after I did that, my butcher, he said there was about a dozen guys came in and like, I just want the ribs that Matt did at the competition. <laughs> Perfect. Exactly what, the, it, exactly what you wanted. Beautiful. Correct. And it, was, and it works really, really well. And um, even down to things, you know, and I see guys, so some teams with their, like, have got big sponsorship deals, and that's fantastic. It's great. Um, there's a lot of pressure to win when you've got that as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. Be aware of that pressure to win if you're going to hunt for bigger um, sponsors. And I found that the smaller sponsors, whether it just be like with cost or they give you heavily discounts, whatever, they, they, that pressure is not there to do that. Um, and I tie that in with some other stuff as well. So. It's that becomes. I think it just depends on where you want to sit in the world, and as you as you go up in it, because I'm not going to lie, the, the sappers generally we're, we're what we call what they call mid packers. So so we sit we sit pretty much middle. Um, a lot of the time we'll get in, and it depends on the comp and how we've done. But like we will normally sit in that sort of top ten to top top ten teams in in a comp is, is what we, we we get comfortable with. And as long as our names getting called, I don't, I don't we, like none of us really care. Um, the money's the, the prize money's nice. It just tops up for the next competition, and and we don't share that money. That's the other key is when we win, whatever we win, we don't distribute that that out to the team. That stays in the team kitty, and it's used for further competitions down the road. Uh, and it's worked really well for us. We also set up a um, so we set up a team bank account, and we put I think it's like forty dollars, twenty dollars a week, or whatever it is, into that. It's not unaffordable. Helps you build a kitty for, for your next competition uh, that then you can then go in and, and you don't then have to have these massive cash injections uh, like on the weekend of the comp. Um, it's we all have access to the to the uh, to the account like it's a it's a team account that we have and we can all build it and it makes life really very much easy um, mm. to to deal with this down the track and you know what it keeps it keeps part. Keeps your partner off your back when you're saying, "Hey, I need 500 bucks for this weekend." Well, what for? I'm going to bungalow. Like, it's no, that, that doesn't work. So, I think the most now that it costs me for a barbecue competition out of my pocket is pretty much just what I want to take 
to drink, and that's that's it. It's but, uh, and then even then, if you get the right sponsor like we have as well, that, that you just got to be careful what it is that they give you. Like some of the uh, <laughs> Some of the craft stuff gets a little like out of control. So, <laughs> but yeah, the, the key is um, spend some time. Don't be afraid to, to buy secondhand stuff. Um, go to your local, go to your local suppliers. Figure out and, and just talk. To, like talk to people. And I have teenage kids, like a nineteen and sixteen year old. That they don't they don't interact with people the same way that that you and I grew up interacting with people. So they're all about, you know, I'll just text this person or send them a message. Like going and actually talking to someone face to face is scary uh, and, and strange to them. <laughs> but uh, don't be afraid. Go in and talk to them because to tell you the truth, most of the business owners that are going to do this, they're our age and they'd much prefer you to come in and have a chat with them than, you know, send them an email or whatever else. That personal and the personal side of yourself, go in and, and be a little, get excited because if you're excited, excitement is uh, – like it's contagious. They get excited, and then it's like, yeah, yeah, I'd love to help you with this. Let's see what we can do, and they'll go away, and they'll be really proactive in helping you. Um, and again, it's all it's quid pro quo. Make sure that you're giving them what they need. Uh, like we'll go along and we'll do birthday celebrations, and we'll do cookups for the like whatever. And if it means that I'm getting, if I if it means I'm able to take my team to a half a dozen or or eight competitions a year, and that means twice a year I'm spending a day in a shopping uh, shopping centre car park cooking meat and giving it out to people. I, I don't mind doing that at all because, again, I get to talk to people. I get a bigger social media following because more and more people show up, which then makes the advertising appeal better and everything else comes out of it. But look, it's it's good. But we, we, um, we, we, we're pretty careful. Like, we don't want to go into larger... Uh, sponsorship deals purely for the fact that we don't want that pressure and um, we don't especially with me like we discussed before bringing the guys in I don't want I don't want to lose the ability to turn and, and teach and, and talk and, and and mentor them because I'm too busy trying to get first place mm. to then push forward and, and make sure that my sponsors are happy yeah, yeah. Very wise words of wisdom there, mate. Thank you very much for that. Okay, well, this is probably a good point for us to start to uh, to, to wrap this episode up. So I'm going to throw it over to you now. Give some thanks, give some shout-outs, give some praise to people who've helped you out along the way. And, of course, tell everybody where we can track you down on the internet. Well, first thing, um, I'd like to thank I'd like a big shout-out to 42 for 42, which has been a, a, a big part of my life for the last four or five years. Uh, and we're coming up to the point where we're about to open that memorial garden at the back of Suncorp Stadium. So if anybody wants to get on there, 42442.com, that's there, there, and have a look at what they're doing and what we're doing as a group there. That, that'd be fantastic. Um, I'd like to say thanks very much to Conroy's Fine Meat and Poultry for everything that they've done for us over the years. Nathan's really helped us out. Um, but his, his contribution to the team can't be, well, we can't talk. I can't talk about it enough and I can't, I can't praise him enough for as much as he's helped us get to where we are. Um, we had even down to things like um, Pitt Brothers, they've helped us out over the years as well and they've always been good uh, to, to get in there and get in amongst it. Um, and at Akasha is obviously is one of our, our great friends and, and has helped us along the way as well. Um, but if you want to jump online and find us, we're on Instagram, uh, smoking, so S-M-O-K-I-N. Sappers, S-A-P-P-E-R-S. On Instagram, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitters, uh, on Twitter, Twitters. And um, look, 
again, I put on there as often as I can. Hopefully, we're going to get into a period where I can I can start posting a little bit more and sharing some more. As soon as this madness is over and we can go back to being competition barbecue team again, uh, rather than a backyard barbecue team because everybody's afraid, that'd be great. It's like, um, but yeah, jump online, come say hi. If you've got any messages, please drop us a message, drop us a line. Uh, I'm more than happy to help out with stuff. And if you're local, and if, you, if you're listening, and you don't have to be a veteran to come along, if you're struggling with anything and you want to have a look at it, send us a message. I'm happy to take anybody. Come on in as long as you're happy with a bit of um, foul mouth competition inside the tent because we're all pretty foul mouth. Um, it's like, uh, and, and, you know, and as long as you can, you can take being barked at for orders when it gets hot and I'm under stress and I'll turn around and bark some orders at you about how the parsley fell out. But other than that, <laughs> send us a line, drop us a line, say g'day, and, and we're happy to come. And we're happy to talk through anybody and help help with anybody at all. And like, uh, it's it's our pleasure to, and it's our joy, and, and, and it's part of our therapy is helping people. That's beautiful, man. That's that's some really uh, lovely things that you're doing for the wider community there. And I look, I I really appreciate you taking the time out during your holiday to to come and talk barbecue with me. Your your wife must be thrilled that you're away on a family holiday and you're still sitting here talking barbecue for an hour. So uh, my thanks to her as well for uh, for letting you do this with us today. And uh, all the best of luck with. Uh, I guess we're going to be looking at the 2022 competition season now. Bring it on! I can't wait. Bang it in. Let's get it done. All righty. Catch you later, mate. See you later. And there you have it, family. That was Matt Logie from Smoke and Sappers Barbecue. How good is that guy? He's doing some really important work there for the for the for not just the veteran community, but the wider community as a whole. And it was a really beautiful thing for him to come on uh, the show today and to talk about that with us. Now, Matt did list a whole bunch of different uh, sources and resources that are available out there if you are struggling. Um, I'm just going to add one here at the end. Um, if you are having uh, some issues and you need some help, uh, Beyond Blue can be contacted here in Australia on one 224636 So just want to put that out there as well. Now, before we wrap this up, just a big uh, thank you again to Jagged Wood Fight for coming on board as our podcast partner for this episode. Uh, head on over to our website to grab yourself a copy of our free ebook, The Beginner's Guide to Real Barbecue. And a big shout out and thanks to everybody who's come on board in the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue community on Facebook. And we did get a couple of nice comments and, uh, and some little love hearts and things coming through for Matt during the recording. And that is about all the time we do have for today. So until next time, take care of each other and keep on queuing. Thanks for listening to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com for recipes, tips, and Ben's own confessions. <laughs>